0: You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive Scottish football content. Hi folks and welcome to the latest episode of the SM Media Scottish Football Show. I'm Scotty Pike, it's an absolute pleasure to be your host as always. We are now at the final round of games before the World Cup break and I think a break's been due for a lot of teams. I think a break's been due for us all. It's been hectic for the past few months obviously with the return of domestic action but we're now at the stage where the Premiership is going to be on hiatus until we get the World Cup out of the way. To join me to look back in the final round of games, it's a pleasure to welcome Graham Duthie. Graham, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on.
1: Cheers, mate. It's good to be on. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure. Looking forward to this one. We obviously have a lot to get through. The the final weekend before we obviously turn, we all kind of look forward to a Winter World Cup. We'll get your thoughts on that later on. We'll maybe play a week in a preview of the World Cup. We'll do a week preview show maybe later on in the week for the World Cup. Let's start with obviously the Premiership results. We'll go through these games just one by one. St. Marin one, Rangers one, in the mid uh, midday kickoff. Celtic two, Ross County one, Hearts one, Livingston one, Coman one, Hibs nil, St. Johnson one, Motherwell one, and Aberdeen one. Dundee United nil. It was not a weekend for big big comprehensive victories. Six tight games.
1: Yeah, it was very tight. MVR. Um, as I'm sure we'll get to another yes. about like that has played a big part in all of them, but it was very competitive. A lot of results that I found surprising. Kilmarnock beating the house was a big surprise for me. St. Johnson, for me, a really decent result at home against Motherwell, picked up a little bit. So, yeah, there was a lot of tight games. Maybe not the best of quality,
0: but a lot of tight games. There was, and it's, it's that weekend, obviously. Every game was was tight. We obviously we didn't know what way either game was going until right at the very end with most, most games. So, it was a... An exciting weekend, but we'll get into it. We'll start at St. Mirren Park. St. Mirren won, Rangers one. St. Mirren, I think, if you'd said to Stephen Robinson and any St. Mirren fan that they'd be sitting in seventh place, leveling points with fifth place Hearts at the the start of the season, getting into this break, he would have taken, he would have snapped your hand off for it. And he was close to doing the double against the the old form. He's obviously beat, they've obviously beat Celtic at St. Mirren, and they were close to beating Rangers. We'll get into Rangers in a minute, but St. Maran, Going into this break, they are they will probably be sitting 30 and it's a, a big result again on Saturday.
1: 100%. They didn't have a particularly great Premier Sports Cup campaign. I think a lot of folks thought Robinson might be under pressure. And they didn't start the league campaign very well. They obviously got beat 4-1 by Aberdeen and it looked a bit dodgy. And then they started to pick up results. And at pace I think they've been very impressive. Yeah. You know, they gave Celtic a really hard game, took three points. I think they were a bit unlucky not to take three points yesterday. But I think Jonah Iunga is a very, very good player. He caused a lot of problems. I was very surprised he took him off yesterday because he was causing a lot of problems. Somebody I never thought would be a major threat was Curtis Main, but he's actually looked a very decent player. Marco Harris looked really good. So I think all over the park, St Mirren have got a very, very good side there. They look settled. They know what they're doing. Up front, they have got that physical presence of Maynard Ayunga. and I thought yesterday they did very well. Rangers had a lot of the ball, didn't really create a lot of chances. I thought St Mirren defended really well. The penalty decision, it's you know, it's good play by Ryan Kent. Really good direct play. Defender a bit clumsy to make that kind of challenge. But I think if you're St Mirren, you've got to be delighted with that because it didn't look great at the start of the season. But I think they've come on that game, and I say in Paisley, at home, they look a very, very formidable side.
0: Yeah and that's the thing and as you say some, their home form is, is leaps and bounds ahead of their away form and it's their, their home form that's got them into this position they've been I think they've won six out of seven games six out of eight maybe at home it's, it's form like that that gets you, gets you in this position and away form they'll probably want to pick up after the World Cup but if you again you said to any Marin fan they'd have snapped your hand off for that on the other side of this game let's get into it we've spent a lot of time over the past few weeks talking about Rangers problems I have spoken many times in this show about the the current situation at Ibrooks that it's it's looking like it's going to be a, an old fashioned death of a thousand cuts where it just gets worse and worse and worse. And by the time a change is made, it's too late. It's all the damage is already done. But this can't carry on. This is this is now at a stage where Rangers, it's there needs to be a change made. And I'm of the mind that the, the change cannot just be the manager the entire football department needs slung out the door.
1: It's mental because this is an Rangers team that were in our European final last season, won the Scottish Cup, and you're thinking, can they build on that? Now, they have a lot of injuries, there's no doubt about that. Guys like um, Goldson being out, John Suter kind of get fit. They're missing Helland, or Tom Lawrence is out. They've got a lot of problems. But the biggest problem for me is that certain players are not performing for the manager. Now, a prime example of that for me is Morelos. Yes. I thought it I thought it was embarrassing yesterday. He didn't look fit. He, the worrying thing is he didn't look interested. And the, thing, what...
0: the thing with Morelos for me is, and I'm sure you can you'll I'll obviously give you a, a chance to say that this that to me for Morelos is yesterday is a massive chance for him to make his mark because he's now he's been he's been at the club for four or five years and he's never if he's all if he's been fit and he's been firing He's always been the number one, even with like Defoe and Roof when they were playing. If Morelos was fit, Morelos played. He's now been in a position where Cholaks come in and hit the ground running and he's had to earn that way back into the side. Now, yesterday's a golden opportunity for any striker. Cholak's injured, Morelos should be using that as an opportunity to make a mark. And he yeah, he was a he's an absolute disgrace. And we spoke about I it before. Do-
1: Sorry, I genuinely think that nose noses like the joint because Cholak's come in, he scored like fourteen goals this season in all competitions. And Morelos now knows he's not number one. But when Cholak goes out, you look to the who's going to bring on, it's Morelos. You've got to make a statement. You've got to say, Right, I want to get my place back in this team. Yesterday he was nowhere near it. He looked so far off that his touch was poor. He's just the way he played, he just does not look interested in that for a Rangers fan it must be disappointing. The body language is awful. Mm -hmm. And I go back and I also go back to that St. Johnson game a couple of weeks ago that they lost 2 1. Now, if you lose, now I look at John Lindstrom, for example, who I think is a good player, Mm -hmm. but he gives the ball away against St. Johnson and he doesn't run back. He throws his hands up in the air like it's not my fault and just gives up. That That for me is not good enough. That shows a real lack of desire, fight for the jersey. It's like, I'm not getting that. It was my fault, but I'm not getting that. And I just think there's a, a real problem with Rangers just now. Again, yesterday, Rangers had a lot of possession. I thought first half, Tillman had a couple of decent chances. Scott Wright was lively-ish. But again, for me, and I've said this before on a few different shows, I like Ryan Kent. I think Ryan Kent's a very, very good player. But whether he's believed his own hype that he's better than he is, I don't know, because performances from him have been very, very poor. I thought against Hearts during the week... He made the goal, fine, and he gets the penalty yesterday. Yeah. But that, that's far too rare. Ryan Kent, for me, should be doing a lot better than he is. And there was a lot of talk about how much Ryan Kent would go for a while ago. Right now, he probably not go for very much. And Morelos as well. You were talking about how much Morelos would go for years ago. Right now, you wouldn't get a pound for him. I think he's been
0: awful. And it's that thing with the, the contract situation, that they've let their contracts run down. And even if they decide to... The, the, the Wheeler need to sell in January... There's, there's three things they can do with Kent and Morelos. They can either sell in January, try and recoup something, They either get them to sign new deals where I think there would be riots outside of Ibrooks if they signed these two guys to new deals, or they let them go for nothing and lose massive investments. Now, that's that's that to me is the dereliction of duty that this football board are, are really needing a, a rocket up the backside for because... It's easy. I, I know a lot of people are finished with us with Giovanni and broadcast, and I don't see how it improves. I don't think they will make a change. I think they're not going to make a change because it's going to be a lot to pay these guys off and I don't think the Rangers board are going to do that. I think the Rangers board will keep this going until it's until it's pretty much impossible and I don't think they can bring somebody in as a manager. But say, say it's somebody from a a top championship club who's going to cost a wee bit of money to bring in. They're going to have to pay him, pay his, pay his club compensation. They're then going to have to back him to the hill in January because that squad needs major surgery. It needs absolute major surgery. It needs a full redo. It should have been done in the summer. It needs done over the next two windows, and it needs done quickly. You're going to have to bring in a manager who's going to do that, and are you then going to tell this new manager if if he comes in oh, by the way, you're having to work off this list that I've had for three years because that's what's going on and I don't want to hear anybody else say that's exactly what's happening at that club. Ross Wilson has had players for two or three years at a small budget and he's going, right, let's get these in. And by the way, we'll give another year to Alan McGregor and just kick a goalkeeper situation down the road. Who, What manager, what top-end manager is going to go and do that?
1: I mean I wonder if that's the I mean I know it's a Premiership job he got at Aston Villa but I wonder if that's part of the reason that Gerard left because of backroom staff and backroom stuff. but I just think even if you look at Van Bronckhorst interviews after a game he looks and sounds a broken man it doesn't
0: it doesn't inspire like yeah. it doesn't inspire anybody like no I I think he's been he's been hung out to dry a wee bit by the ball because he hasn't been backed he's had a lot of injuries but you know as well as I do, it, it doesn't. You could have ninety five percent possession if you're not doing anything with it. If you're not threatening, then it doesn't matter. And that's what that's to me what I'm seeing with the Rangers team. It?
1: There's a phrase that goes round that hard work beats ability. If ability mm-hmm. doesn't work hard, yeah. Now Rangers, have got ability, but they don't work hard enough. And I think if you look at just for example Celtic yesterday, right, they're one 0 down. At no point in that game did I not think they wouldn't win that game. For Rangers, it's complete opposite. Yesterday, at 1-0 down, I didn't think they would win the game. And that's where the massive difference is. I just, yes. That Rangers side just now, even against St. Johnson, at no point when they were 2-0 down, did I think Rangers will come back in at this game. Now, they got the goal, but they didn't look like they were ever going to threaten. And I think there's too many players in that Rangers team that, for me, are not doing enough. Again, I mean, you're looking at guys like Rabbi Matondo. Yes. Is, he, is he good enough for Rangers? I don't think he is.
0: And um, again, injuries I know are a big thing, and I I don't think I think that squad is down to the bare bones because it's been allowed to to just grow bare. It's been allowed to. It's not been refreshed enough. It's been allowed. Yeah, I mean, John Sutter is a good example of this. Now I I know you're probably the same as me. I'm a big fan of John Souter, but there's a reason John Sutter is available in a free transfer. It's because he's got a bad injury record. If John Souter was fully fit and relied upon he would probably be, play, be playing a better club than Hearts. That's, would you agree with
1: that? No, 100% Right. But
0: there's a reason you can get him for nothing. It's because not a lot of teams are willing to gamble on him being regularly fit. I'm a huge fan of Ryan Jack. I've had arguments with people in the podcast about Ryan Jack in the past. I believe Ryan Jack is one of the best midfielders Scotland have. But he's you can't rely on him to play a 12-13 game run because he's injury prone. Philip Palander has been injury-prone. We know these players are injury-prone. You you can't rely on them. So why is why are people saying, oh, when everybody's fully fat, this team will be good? Yeah,
1: until they get injured again. What really surprises me is that Gio Van Bronckhurst hasn't signed one Dutch player. Now, he must surely have contacts in Holland that he can get a couple of players over and he's not signed anyone from Holland. That's a surprise for me.
0: And it's that thing where it's... We're not saying that like, oh, Giovanni van Bronckhorst should be getting out and, spare, and getting 12 to twelve and 15 Dutch players in. We're not. But what we're saying is, is that it doesn't seem to me that Giovanni van Bronckhorst is going, I want him, I want this. Apparently he wanted a guy from uh, France and it was out Rangers price range and they just didn't do it. And he went to uh, Germany, I think it is. I can't remember what club he's went for. And he's been a revelation. I think his name's Fulgini, if I remember correctly. Giovanni Van Broncos wanted him. We know the Joey Veerman and Scott Volson stories from back in the day with Gerard. There's a theme developing here. But the thing that gets me with yesterday's performance from Rangers is, is that I'm just looking through the, the subs that were made. Scott Arfield came on for Glenn Kamara at time. Now, I didn't think Glenn Kamara had a, had a too bad a game. And I kind of understand that change. But brought on Arfield at time, right? It didn't really change much. Obviously, the King substitution was avoid, was was utterly couldn't be helped. It was a terrible, terrible injury that King's had and it's, it's kind of good news that he's. it's only a concussion he's got and it's not something more serious, but it doesn't make a change from 60 minutes and you're chasing the game. Now, he brings on Robbie Ewer, a, a striker in the 94th minute for Borna Barisic. Explain to me what is the point in bringing on a striker at 94 minutes when you've been 1-0 down since when, the 47th minute. Why is Robbie Ewer, and I'm not saying Robbie Ewer, Robbie Ewer's young is going to need a lot of time to progress. Why is why is he bringing on Robbie? you at ninety four minutes. That's the sign of a manager who's lost lost everything. He's lost the dressing room. He's lost he's lost his own sense to make changes. Because I wouldn't. I could not think of a manager in Scotland that would do that. No, absolutely. I mean, I think
1: I genuinely believe that in the next few weeks, I think there'll be a change. Now, I don't know who Vendors will bring in, but I think there'll be a change, and I think there has to be nine nine points behind Celtic a pretty dreadful European campaign the league's over
0: the league is absolutely yeah, over
1: it is and a really really poor uh, listen don't get me wrong the Champions League group stage that was an extremely difficult group yeah. but for me the, the levels in some of those games I mean to go 1-0 up against Liverpool at Ibrox the crowd were right behind you and then to lose six second half goals and the worst thing is Liverpool didn't have to work hard for those goals yeah. I mean that that is nowhere near good enough that's performances that's our that's just so poor, cool. and yesterday again, I mean, Rangers again just they had that they huffed and puffed but didn't do enough. It's not like the goalkeeper at St. Mirren was getting stretched, it wasn't like he was man of the match, there was just nothing there. And I think you watch Van Bronck's interview after the game, he doesn't look like he knows how to change it. And I think even he now thinks he won't be in that job much longer.
0: But if you make a change midway through the World Cup, and if they make, the AGM, is, I think it's the 6th of December, and I can I can see that being I can see that being really bad and I think it will be really bad because if Giovanni Van Bronckhorst is going to be sitting as manager in that, football problems are going to come to the table. There's a lot of questions going to be asked about recruitment. There's going to be a lot of things asked about this board and I don't think their, their character is strong enough to deal with it. But if you, if you make a change midway through the World Cup, you're then asking a new guy to come in where maybe a week, two weeks to, before a massive run of games that could determine the season home to Hibs, away to Aberdeen. I think they're at home to Motherwell and then at home to Celtic. They're four massive games and you're asking if, if you're changing it midway through, if you're not changing it now and giving this new guy four or five weeks to work with these players, you're then putting a guy in a massive situation.
1: 100%. And I think, I've said this to a couple of mates as well, what surprised me is that before the transfer window shut, that Rangers didn't sign at least three or four more players. It was a very quiet end of the transfer window. That was a major surprise to me.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: I, I kind of feel sorry for James Sands and Leon King because yeah. I mean, they're, they're decent defenders, but they're not up to the standard that you need. And, you know, that injury yesterday to Leon King, I hope he was okay. It looked a bad one. But even, yeah. if you look, even if you look at the goal, he tries to take a touch. Just clear it. I mean, that's... And, 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 and it defender. takes away...
0: It takes away because the save for Al McGregor is magnificent. It is. And then two seconds later, it's all for nothing. And it's it's just bad. And I just don't see how it gets any better without a complete change in personnel. And we'll look across the city at Celtic. And we'll, you mentioned there about Celtic came from behind to beat Ross County, a very resilient Ross County team. We will get your thoughts on the penalty in a minute because I've got a wee bit of a rant I want to go on here about that. But Celtic come from behind. As you say, and this is the thing for me with Celtic, Celtic go 1-0 down and it's a ridiculous penalty decision and it is but Celtic use that as fuel Celtic, didn't, Celtic did not play great in the first half Celtic were lucky not to be behind in the first half actually but they kick on from that they they take it as a oh wait a minute we need to get our act together here and within, within 16 minutes they've turned it round and they're in front and that's a champions mentality that's the sign of a good side and that's the side of a team that's winning that's going to win this league and they've won, and the league's over. The league is over, and Celtic, again, they just keep going. It's not brilliant to watch. It's not the spark that we've seen in the past from this Celtic team. But there's but there's runs you need to go on where you just need to grind out results and win games, and this Celtic team are doing it, and they're getting into this break in a fantastic position.
1: A hundred percent. When you're Celtic like or Rangers, all that matters is winning the title, and mm-hmm. Celtic are on the road to doing that already, and it's not even Christmas yet. And I yeah. think. Again, at no point that I think they wouldn't win that game yesterday. Once they get the equaliser, it's just a case of how many will we score. And I thought Ross kind of did really well. I thought they kind of stifled the Celtic attack. I didn't think they gave him a lot of chances. Celtic dominated possession as you'd expect, but even the equaliser—it's a, it's a great play from Patati. You know, he takes a bit—he was in the game.
0: absolutely magnificent all game. He's been—he's uh-huh. been a revelation this season actually, because when he came in, he came in in January and they had that great wee start. But obviously his first game against Hibs, he was brilliant. He had that wee run. They obviously scored the double against Rangers and he kind of went off the boil a wee bit, but see that season, he's kicked on massively. Yesterday, he was everywhere and I thought he was magnificent yesterday.
1: I mean, Japan must have some sign if he's not got World Cup. I know. It, was, it was absolutely brilliant. That creativity that he's got to take few players at the game and it's a great finish for Turnbull as well through the lines of Laidlock. It's a really good finish. Hak Sabanovic's goal, again, a really good finish and good play You game. wouldn't see that a better
0: game. finish than that all weekend. It was oh. Unbelievable. It's and fun. I'm a big fan of Haxabanovich as well because he, he seems to be everywhere. He just has that versatility. that you've I mean, for two million quid, he's looking at an absolute bargain. He
1: does, and he started to add goals to this game. There. I think yeah. there three in the last couple of games, so he started to add goals. So, Celtic, while they're not playing brilliantly yesterday, they've managed to grind out the result, and that's all you need. And to go nine points clear this early in the season, I mean, they are looking very, very strong, and I just don't see... I don't see where else are going to drop points just now, Rick, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I don't see I, I don't see Celtic losing the title. I think Celtic are winning this title. I think Celtic will win this title comfortably by double figures. I think they're just rolling on. As I say, they're not playing. They're not brilliant. It's not the same at the start of the season where they were blowing teams away. They were scoring nine at Tannadice. They're not, they're, but they're, they're digging games out. And Ross County, I think, as well. I think we need to give a mention to them because a couple of weeks ago, we were talking on here that, that it looked perilous situation. They weren't scoring goals. They weren't really getting much going. And in the space of a the week, they're out of the drop zone and they're just I mean, you you obviously don't pick up any points on Saturday. They weren't expecting to. But Malcolm Mackay will take a lot of confidence from that from that game and will go into this break thinking, I'm in a I'm in a really we're in a good position here. We're in a better position than we were two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean they said after the game it was probably of the performance and he should mm-hmm. be. So mm-hmm. well, their season is not going to be defined by results at Celtic Park. They competed really well. They weren't embarrassed. They had they had two or three really good chances, just weren't clinical enough. And <coughs> well, I think he'll be delighted with that. I think at the start of the season I worried for them. I didn't really see where they're going to score goals from. You know, losing like Vegan Charles Cook and Hungo. I thought they might yeah. struggle. But Jordan White's chipped them with a few goals. The boy Hawila looks a very very good player. I like him a lot, and they just look a, a decent side. So. You know, they can come back after the break, regroup, refreshed, probably a few more players in January. Mm-hmm. But I think they'll be absolutely fine. I don't think they'll be top six, but I think they'll be fine.
0: Yeah, I think I've, I I can see a big improvement in the past couple of weeks. And we will get to, obviously, the, the Ross County penalty. Now, this is, a, this is a, an interesting one because I don't understand what Matt O'Reilly can do there. And I know we, I've not seen anybody disagree with that. What I don't understand, though, is the referee gave the penalty. Now, if as the rule, the rules are something that I need to explain to me because I don't understand how this is working with the handball. And I'm seeing it in England and I'm seeing it in other games. I'm watching abroad as well. So it's not unique to Scottish football. This handball rule is a shambles. But the referee gives it and then VAR doesn't overturn it. Now, that says to me that the referee has got it right because it's in line with the rules. But what can Matt O'Reilly do there? That's not Matt O'Reilly is not going there to try and to try and deliberately hand the ball hand ball there. it's not denying anything. It's the ball direction isn't going to it's not a penalty. It's not a penalty in anybody's mind. So why what is this rule all about? Right. I
1: wasn't a show a little on I had a rant about this. I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> but Matt O'Reilly's hands are by his side. Mm-hmm. There is nothing he can do to get out of the way of that. No, it's an absolutely shocking decision. And VAR, we were all told at the start of the season that I think it was Ian Maxwell said that VAR is going to be horrendous for the first few months. Yep, it's horrendous for the first few weeks. Now, VAR the technology, that's not the issue. It's the officials that are using it. What on earth the guy in that room sees that thinks that's a penalty is ridiculous. And what makes it worse is that f gives it. I mean, that's the second week in a row. For me, even though, <coughs> even the one by Bernabé and United, that's not a penalty either. I just think these referees have been absolutely dreadful. There's more decisions to come in the next couple of games that we're going to talk about. But the decisions yeah. this weekend have been absolutely ridiculous. And I just see if I'm a if I'm a man, if I'm a manager, I'm setting up a player from now on. See if you get the ball into the box. Hit it at the hand, because it's a penalty. That's a problem. That's, that's the problem gonna you're happen. gonna
0: have. That's the problem you're gonna have. But wait, with VAR, now I agree that it's been a bit of a riot and I think we all knew it was going to be, but we've saw, we saw it on Saturday work to a degree because Kevin Clancy, for some bizarre reason, thought that Ryan Kent dived. Now, every single person watching that game didn't understand why would Ryan Kent dive in that situation. Kevin Clancy straight out to book him for diving, which, again, is probably something else I could go on because I think Kevin Clancy is the worst referee in the country and I've said that openly many times. But VAR overturned that. VAR uh, disagreed with the referee, had the referee look at it again, and they got the right decision. So VAR did work in that regard. But as you say, the next game, the Celtic game, how can a referee go look at that either on the field or on a television screen and say, that's a deliberate handball. That to me is the issue here.
1: Before VAR came in, there were 63 games played and there were 17 penalties given. Yeah, There's been 30 games since VAR came in and there's already been 19 penalties. Now, you could probably go back to pretty much most of those games and say, that's not a penalty. Mm-hmm. But the inconsistencies for me are what's causing me the biggest problem. You're seeing some referees giving stuff and other referees not. You're seeing some referees going to the monitor and some referees not. It is so inconsistent. For me, now the World Cup break is here. I would be getting every single official in a room and saying, we're sorting this out. So when you come back after the break, you all know what you're doing because this is an absolute farce. And again, it's the time it takes as well. In the Hearts game yesterday, there were seven minutes added on. We'll get that to that. All because, that was all because of VAR. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute disgrace that these officials, even with the help there, this is that was brought in to help the referees, and they're making it worse.
0: Aye, Um, and it's probably a good time to jump into that Hearts game. A one all draw for Hearts, home to Livingston. Livingston took the lead through Stephen Kelly. Stephen Kelly then missed a penalty through a red card from Kai Rules, who's going to the World Cup, I believe, with Australia. And I think he deserves it because I think he's been a revelation. We'll get into that later on. But Hearts dug at it. They got the the equaliser through Josh Janelli in the 97th minute. But before we get into the game, as we say about VAR, I watched. I watched sports scene. I saw the the Robin Nielsen reaction, and he's he's looking at the referee. Well, I, I pretend watch on. That's the issue here. It's taking too long, and it's as you say, it's ruining the flow of the game.
1: Well, I watched the whole game, um, and Robin Nielsen after the game rightly said that nobody had a clue what was going on, mm-hmm. and that's that's the problem. There were so many decisions in that game that Greg Aitken got horrendously wrong. In the first half, Hearts dominated most of the possession. Had a couple of decent chances. Shanklin should score early on, but plays yeah. it over, I think he should score. Ginelli has a chance later on, I think he should score. But there's two penalty decisions in that first half alone. They didn't show up in sports yesterday, but there was a handball in the first half that wasn't given. And then Cammy Devlin is completely wiped out by the goalkeeper, and it doesn't get given. That's a penalty for me. Second half, penalty decision for Livingston. Yeah, it's totally right. Carwell's shouldn't. I think Carwell's has been brilliant, to be honest. Yeah doesn't need to make the challenge. It's a poor challenge. Great save again by Craig Gordon. But then later on, you've got heart, the heart's goal. Now, in the build-up to that, I don't think it's a foul on Nubly. I think Nubly stays on his feet. But Alan Forrest handles the ball <coughs> in the build-up to the goal. Ginelli then scores from that. Now, Ginelli doesn't celebrate and I'm convinced that he doesn't celebrate because I think he's going to get chalked off. Mm-hmm. And I, at the time, I didn't know what was happening either. Three minutes it took for that goal to be given, it's an absolute joke. Nobody had a clue what was going on in the stadium. Nobody knew what was going on in the touchline. It's just getting an absolute fuss right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and it's as you say, it's going to be something that needs to be. And this is the thing with VAR: it was meant to come in after this break. It was meant to be. Why has it been brought in three to four weeks early? When we know there's going to be... these are the this is a time for the teeth and problems to be you. We work in jobs where technology comes in. Technology comes in to help us be better at their jobs. We are never, ever given technology when it's not ironed out. We have we are always told to wait until it's 100% ready to use and there's not going to be cheating problems. So why has this been rushed forward four weeks when it's still to be ironed out? And I don't think the referees are fully equipped to use it, which I think is another big problem. Why has this been brought forward? Because now you're in a World Cup break and I tell you right now, the the referees have got to get round the table maybe two or three times a week from now until the the play resumes in the middle of December. Of like quick fire classes and get this, get the referees up to speed in this because this has been a shambles, an absolute shambles. And Ian Maxwell right now should be sitting embarrassed with himself in the comment he made because he said it's going to be horrendous for three months. He's the reason why, because he brought it out earlier than it should have been brought out, because they, there is no organisation at that Scottish Football Association.
1: Even if you look back to Celtic mother a couple of weeks ago, there's a really, really poor challenge on um, Starfelt. Doesn't mm-hmm. eat, he doesn't need to get booked. Yeah. Yes, yesterday, Alec Cochrane makes a really poor challenge on Nicky Devlin. Again, nothing gets done. I think
0: for- that's a red card, by the way.
1: I think it's a red card as well. We should be doing it in the main So again, that doesn't get, that doesn't get a red card either. So these decisions, you're talking about, these things could cost teams, maybe not Celtic winning the league, but these could cost teams potentially top six. Yep. It could, it could cost teams getting relegated. You're, you're playing with people's livelihoods here. You've got to get these things right. That's why VR was brought in to help you. And you're making a mess of it. You've got to get the calls right.
0: Yeah, but all in Scottish football would be brought out midway through a season and. In- there been nothing asked about it. It's been a shambles, and the SFA should be embarrassed by the way they've they've been throughout the whole thing. But on to the game. I've got to say, well, touch hearts heart, to the obviously, because I know you'll be keen to. But Livingston can take a lot of credit for the performance. They're really unlucky not to get the result. And we have spoken about Joe Noble for so many, so many times in this show. He was an absolute menace yesterday, and David Martindale was right to put a price tag on his head the way he has because he is a he is a real player for that club.
1: I'll be very surprised if Noobly still Livingston in January. He's no disrespect to suspect Livingston, but he's too good for them. I thought he caused Hearts a lot of problems yesterday. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, he's a big guy, but he's a good footballer. He, yeah. knows, he knows how to use his strength. He's quick. He's good on the ball. Noobly doesn't score a lot of goals, but he's a real. he causes that havoc factor. I thought he was great yesterday. Mm-hmm. We just couldn't... Civic and rolls were just ragdolled by him a lot of the time. Yeah. I think Livingston have had a great season, sitting fourth in the league. I've said before, I think David Martindale is one of the most underrated managers in the league. I think he does a magnificent job of what he's got. He gets the best out of a, a team that maybe people look at him and think of a lot of great side, but I think he gets them playing as well as he can. I think Livingston have had a fantastic season. Martindale's a great manager, and for me, Joe nibley is an absolute handful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hearts, on the other hand, I think if I think Rangers are probably a team that were looking for the break to come. The Hearts would be up there as well. They've been ravaged by injuries. They've played a lot of football. Their squad's been decimated. The break's coming at the right time, isn't it?
1: A hundred percent. We are, I don't want to make excuses, but the players that we've got out, they would all be starters. We've got about six players for me that would all be starters. It's good to see out.
0: Alcott back as well, isn't it? That was great. That
1: was a massive boost mm-hmm. to see him back in. And I think we do need our players back soon. I think it's a great time. I think the fact that we played these European games and played on a Sunday, and then playing Wednesday, I think we do need this. And I think the fact that we're only about three points off thirds, yeah. When we come back, we've got two home games against Comarnik and our game in hand against St. Mirren. I think we're in a decent position, probably better than I expected us to be in at this point. So I'm quite happy with the way that's gone. But then again, there's a lot of Hearts fans that still don't like Robby Nielsen. And if we get beat, it's Robin Nielsen has to go. We didn't lose yesterday. But again, you go on the Roast and Hot Twitter and Hearts fans are saying, oh, Robbie's negative tactics cost us. No, they didn't. We were mm-hmm. we lost we lost a man. We got back to 1-1. The way we did that, I'm happy with that. So I think the matter Robbie does is going to be disliked by some Hearts fans. But I think he's done a good job so far. And I think when we come back after the break with those two home games, we've got a great opportunity to get further up the league and get our players back fit. And that's a huge thing for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's gonna be a big I think it's going to be a big welcome break for Hearts. A team that got into the break where a big a big result was Kilmarnock, a one 0 victory over Hibs. Hibs we'll touch on in a minute, but Kilmarnock, they had a horrendous result on Wednesday night against the United, and you saw Derry McInnes losing his mind with making three changes in the first half. He just I think his patience was thin. He changed it up on Saturday. There was a big he needed a big response, and Kilmarnock gave him it. Danny Armstrong got the penalty. But it was a lot more settled It was a lot more resolute from Kilmarnock. And it's one of those games that Kilmarnock will be delighted to get to that three points and get into this break in a better position than they probably could have been. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of quality on show yesterday. No, there certainly wasn't.
1: I think for me, Kilmarnock really, I've said this before, I think Kilmarnock I think they've which might sound harsh, but I think they've still got a championship squad. I think they've got some decent players in it. I think they absolutely missed Kyle Lafferty given that 10 game ban. I don't think they've got enough up front. I don't think Ollie Shaw from his premiership level. Danny Armstrong's done very well. I have to say it's been a really good signing for them. The penalty again, I'm not sure that's a penalty. I think you know it's a contact sport. There's not a lot in that. Nah, it's
0: it's one, it's one of those. It's it's definitely in the box. Yeah, but I mean,
1: it's... I think I think on, it needed that. You know, a horrendous result performance at Tannadice. They needed to get back into winning ways. They've done that, but I still feel that they're gonna be in trouble this season. I just don't see enough quality about them. I know Derek McInnes is a good manager, but I just don't see enough about that squad that for me is going to stay up.
0: I think I think the thing with Komarny is is that he made Derek McInnes made seven changes and they've won the game. And that shows you good management because he's obviously saw on Wednesday and he saw it at halftime. He made those three changes and it did work to be fair because Comaner came into the game a lot more in the second half. But again, they were so far behind it they just couldn't get anything out of the game. But when you make changes like that and it pays off and you get the results, it gives you a lot of confidence as a manager that you can do that and you can build up more trust in the players. But Hibs on the other hand, I think the Hibs have got a lot of problems because... I have watched Hibs a few times this season I've been really impressed with some of the, the ways that I think they're, they're quite a good team on the eye. The big thing that worries me with Hibs is when you take Martin Boyle out of the team in particular, they have a real lack of a cutting edge. Three points out of a, out of the last 21, the, the the way the league is so tight between like kind of third and seventh kind of helps Hibs to a degree because they're not far away. If they get a run going, they could be in a lot better position but they really have to get their act together because it's been really, really poor in the, over the past few weeks.
1: Yeah, it's great for me as a heart <laughs> Um, No, I mean, I can see what Lee Johnson's trying to do. I can see the way he's trying to get them to play. Yeah. But if Martin Boyle isn't asset or isn't fit, they just don't have that lack. They just don't have that cutting edge. Again, yeah. I think Kevin Nisbet's been a huge miss for them. Yeah. Elias Melkerson for me... I'm really not convinced by him at all. I think Eli looks okay, but they don't have enough good forward for me. Their away form has been horrendous. Mm-hmm. You know, that needs to get sorted. I know they lost in midweek at home to Ross County, but the home form has been okay. But away from home, they are so, so poor. And again, yesterday, they, they had a lot of chances, but didn't really have a lot on target. they one shot on target the whole game. So they just don't... They have some decent players there, but they just don't look like they're going to score a lot of goals. And that's got to be a huge worry.
0: Yeah. And it's the thing we had as well is is that there's a lot of you you know that's the Edinburgh Clubs there's a lot of pressure to try and get third and there's a lot a manager doesn't get time and we've seen that so many times in the past. I mean, Harts and Hibs are probably going through as many managers as any any team in that league, and you don't get that time. You even if you see a philosophy or a, a way of implementing a philosophy, it, it does work occasionally, but you don't get the time. And Lee Johnson, I think if he doesn't get results after this break, He's going to be a casualty of that because it doesn't matter if if you're trying to build something. It's a results-based business.
1: Well, they sacked Sean Maloney, who I thought probably should have got a bit more time than he did. I can understand why they got rid of him, but I thought he deserved more time. And I think managers do get sacked very quickly, very easily these days. I think Lee Johnson will be fine, but he has to start picking up results, especially for home, because... They do at times play some decent football, but they just don't have that cutting edge. And if you're not scoring goals, you're going to have massive problems. Mm. They need they need Kevin Nisbet back. They need Martin Boyle back after the World Cup, fighting fit and raring to go. And I think they need a couple more signings in January as well. Harry McCurdy, I've not been massively impressed by either. Mm. I think they just need that little bit of spark up front. But, I mean, again, I've said before, and I'll keep saying this, I personally, and I'll get shot down for this, but I've said it before, so... I personally think Ryan just is one of the most overrated players in the league. I've said that numerous times. I'm not really, a fan.
0: I've never been a fan of him.
1: No, I think he makes far too many mistakes. The goal against Ross the another week, I don't know what he's doing. Yes, he played well for Scotland in that game that he played, but I think he is far too prone to mistakes. So I think Hibs have got, have got problems, but I think they'll be fine again. But they have to start scoring goals, and they need, they need to get that quality back soon.
0: And I've never been a fan of his character. I think there's a player, I've said it before, I think there's a player there. I think there's a, I think if you, you take everything away, like his his character and his personality, I think there is a player there. But I, I, I do see, he, he does make a lot of mistakes. And I think at times he's more focused, he's he's more focused in his own game than he is kind of, at times when he's playing with a partner, I think he can put his partner on a lot of bother because he's more focused and try to be the main man in that defence. And I think at times he can slip up. But, Again, Hibs will be. They're not sitting in a terrible position. That's the thing with Hibs. They're only, I mean, they're only a point behind Hearts. I know Hearts have obviously had a game in hand, and it's this tightness of the league that I think will oh, maybe kinda save a lot more pressure than on Lee Johnson than there maybe is, than there maybe has been because it's still a tight league and all you need is two or three ones in a row and you could be in a really good position.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's only five points between the Hibs and eighth and Aberdeen and third, so yep. it's it is so so tight. So a run of results and you could be right back up there. So I think Hibs just need to get those results going, but they need to get their big players back, i.e. Nisbet and Boyle. Outside that, I've just not seen enough quality going forward. But I think midfield they look okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Chris, I think Chris Cadden's a very, very good player on that right hand side. Yeah. They are, are are badly lacking Kevin Nisbet. They I mean the electrician Deutsch go to Kamarnik, that hasn't really worked out that well either. So they just don't have that quality up front for me.
0: Yeah. We'll move into the next game. St. Johnson won. Motherwell won quite a scrappy game. There wasn't a lot of quality here, but probably a fair result. The thing with St. Johnson is St. Johnson will probably be happy with a draw more than Motherwell because St. Johnson are sitting, I think, in a good position. Obviously, that big win last week. They're sitting in 21 points. They're sitting in the top six. Again, Callum Davidson will will say that's a massive... He'll be delighted with that. And it's, it's one of those where they're beginning to get a lot deeper in terms of squad and it's a month break, everybody gets a bit fatter. I think St Johnson can kick on from that, I really do.
1: They've been the surprise for me. Again, start of the season, given how poor they were last season, there was a lot of pressure on Callum Davidson, I think, wrongly. I think through a to St Johnson board, they've kept hold of him. I mm-hmm. think he's I think his signings have been very good, none more so than Nicky Clark. Yeah. I think he's been a fantastic signing. He's brought the best at his team May. I think Ryan McGill has been a good sign-in. The experience of Andy Considine, they look a much, much better side. Now they look like they don't know what they're doing. Just go back to that Rangers game a couple weeks ago. They didn't yeah. create a lot, but they played, they did very well. So I think St. Johnson sitting sixth is a major surprise for me. And, you know, at home again, I think they look a decent side. Yesterday wasn't a great game. David Wallace did really well to make the goal for Dre Wright. Yeah, They lose a goal from a... A set piece disappointing, but I, there wasn't a lot in the game. But I think for St. suggestion going at this break, six in the league. I think Davidson a bit in the handoff for that.
0: Turn it around to Motherwell, I think Stevie Hamill's been quite unlucky at times. I think a lot of times they've maybe been unlucky not to get results. But a big frustration will be that Louis Moult and Kevin Van Veen were in that were in that part yesterday. And they didn't look really as if they were causing much threat. That'll be one thing that Stevie Hamill will be hoping they turn around after the, the break.
1: I think Kevin Van has been such a big player for Motherwell. We all know that Louis Mote's like a kind of legend at Motherwell. And yeah. you, need, you need that partnership to work. Right now, it's not quite clicking yet. But I think after the break, you know, I'm sure that during this break, they'll have a, maybe a couple of bounce games together, try and get that formation going. But... I think, personally, Motherwell have been so reliant on Van Veen. They Mm -hmm. don't have a lot else going forward. For me, Connor Shields isn't good enough for this level, in my opinion. I think defensively, they're okay, Midfield, they're okay, But they need quality up front. And I think that's something that Stevie Hamill's got to get sorted in January. Louis Moult has had injury problems. We know that. But he needs to get back to full fitness. Because if they can get him and Van Veen really sharp, they could be fine. I think there's been a a massive change between Hamill and Alexander. Alexander's football was pretty chronic, to be honest. I think Hamill's got away he wants to play, and it's been okay. Hamill ball, it's been okay. But they just need to get that, that front two working because they could cause a lot of problems for the team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's probably two teams that will be quite... We're relatively happy enough getting into the break, but final game was six o'clock on Saturday. Aberdeen versus the United. A 1-0-1 for Aberdeen. They now obviously sit third the league getting into the break. Mioski penalty. Aberdeen, they obviously had a tough to beat Tuesday night and Jim Goodwin spoke about having to kinda of alter the team to to limit a number of things, but they, they did get a massive result. It was a penalty. It wasn't a it wasn't a brilliant game, but they kept a clean sheet, something they've not been doing. Jim Goodwin will be he'll be happy with that. He'll be he'll be thinking that's a big three points going into this break because it settles things down.
1: Yeah, just grind out the result. They saw the results early on the day, they knew what they had to do, just grind yeah, yeah. out. Aberdeen's home form has been very good. Their away form has been horrendous. That's where they're picking up most of the points. That's a theme
0: with a lot of clubs.
1: Yeah, 100%. That's where they're picking up most of the points. Mm. This was in the case where VAR did work a few weeks ago against Hibbs. I thought Duke died for the penalty. That obviously didn't happen that day. But yesterday, it was a penalty. It was quick. It was decisive. That worked. Myowski, good penalty. He's scoring a lot of goals for Aberdeen. It's been a good signing. I think Duke's been really good. But, you know, Aberdeen going into the result, they weren't great. I thought they had some chances in the first half. But to be fair, second half, I thought United played very well. You know, they had two or three really good chances. Kelly Roos has made a couple of really good saves. So I think Aberdeen will be delighted to get three points going out of the break, third in the league. I think they can kick on after the break. Obviously, they've got a difficult game after that when they go to Rangers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Aberdeen will be delighted. Jim Goodwin's got to be delighted. But as with a few teams he's got to sort that away form because the away form is going to stop them finishing higher
0: Yeah, the D United obviously going to the winter break bottom a team whose away form has been bad as well three points from seven games away from Tanadice Liam Fox will need to use this break to really get this team going because sitting bottom of the league getting into a winter break is never good and things have been obviously tougher than D United but he's been getting to get like Wednesday night was a good example we can see what this D United team can do but away from home, they
1: need to improve. Yeah, and I thought second after did well. You know, Dylan Everett plays a chance on a plate for Fletcher, which for me he should score.
0: Yeah.
1: But you know they're away from half has been poor. But I think the positives they can take from yesterday they mm-hmm. weren't they weren't embarrassed. You know Aberdeen have been running for hitting four at home. Yeah. They restricted them yesterday, so I think United can take a lot of positives from that. And I think Liam Fox will, go into the job. I mean, it maybe wasn't the ideal appointment. He's a very very young coach. But, you know, that's where you need them going down. I think he'll do fine, but he has to start picking up results. He's got experience there. Stephen Fletcher, I think he can score goals. He should have scored yesterday. I think Dylan Levitt's a good player. Middleton's a really good player. So they've got quality there. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, like a lot of teams, this break has come at a very good time for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the breaks came at, came at the right time for a lot of teams. And it just shows you that, this World Cup break is weird, and it's a, a weird time. But I think I I think you've seen a lot of teams are, are quite happy to just get it and get a few things going in the the winter break. A lot of teams are going out for kind of training camps and things like that. But it's a it's a welcome break for a lot of sides.
1: It is. I mean, it's a it's a very random time. You know, you're watching World <laughs> Cup games at Christmas. It does feel weird. Yeah. But, I mean, the kickoff times are actually quite reasonable. It's not like three o'clock in the morning. They're actually <laughs> decent times as well. Yep. But it's not. I mean, listen, I. I love football. I was brought up in World Cups and European Championships. I love World Cups. This one doesn't feel like it's got the same hype around it, which I understand because of human rights stuff and it's in Qatar and it's a weird time. But I generally get buzzing for World Cups. I think there's potentially seven, eight teams could win this. And I think once the tournament gets a bit further into it, once the group stages are done, I think a lot of more folk might get into it, but it's the fact that it's November, it's the fact that it's in Qatar, and there's not been a massive build-up
0: to it. Right, Graham, who's going to win the World Cup?
1: I have a sneaky feeling for Belgium. I think they've okay. got. I've got. They've got a very good squad. They could have been a newly men for a while. I really like Kevin De Bruyne. They've got a fantastic squad. That would be my outside bet. But I think for me, I think France looked very strong. Kylian Mbappe, just a fantastic player. So I think France being the holders, you've got to fancy them. But there's a few teams could win this. I just think it's going to be really exciting. There's a lot of groups for me that look really exciting. Spain and Germany in the same group. Yeah, that, that's mental. I think there's I just think it's gonna be a great tournament. This the more it gets into the kind of knockout lock, stages, but I just have an outside bet for Belgium.
0: I think I'm gonna side with Argentina. I've had Argentina in my mind for a long time. Everybody knows that knows me, Messi Ronaldo. I've always went with Messi and I think this is gonna be Messi's golden moment. I think he's gonna solidify his position. Argentina could play Portugal in the final. I think that could be the final I've I've got a wee name the finalist bet going. I'm going with Argentina, Portugal. I just think they're two teams that can do well. Brazil, we know what they can do. Do you give England a chance? Do you think? I know England are getting into this in poor form, but they have a good tournament record under Southgate. Do you give them any say in that? Do you give them any chance of getting anything here?
1: I hope not, but they've got a very easy group for me. You know, Iran, Iran, USA and Wales. It's a group they should get out of. I think there's a lot of... England fans I've seen are not happy with the squad they selected. It's kind of very old and there's not a lot of you know, there's decent players in there, but not a lot of quality in there. So I think they'll probably get to around the quarter finals, but I just think there's too many other better teams in there for me.
0: Yeah, I think I I don't think they're gonna this in good form at all. And I think it's interesting, I do think they'll get out of the group but what they do after that I think can be very interesting. They've got a good tournament record. They could do something, but I'm not convinced that they're in the right position to do it. The World Cup's going to be interesting. We will be doing a couple of World Cup things over the next couple of weeks. I'll, I'll keep our up to date with that, but let's have a wee look at the Championship. We've got some games to run through here. Hamilton 2, Air 3 and Friday night, Broth 1, Cove 1, Dundee 2, Wraith Rovers now. Morton 2, Parthic Thistle 1, and Queen's Park 2, Inverness 1, the air train keeps on going. I watched the air game on Friday. I've been impressed with Air throughout the season so far. I think Deep Akiniemi and is a great addition to that air side. And they extend the lead and they're just they're rolling. They're just keeping going. They're finding ways to win. It was so it was so tight against Hamilton who kept kept at it. They didn't give up. But Air found a way to do it. And that's if Air are going to mount a title challenge, these are the games they're going to have to win.
1: Again, a bit like Nubly, I don't think Akinjemu will be at Air United for a lot
0: longer. I don't think so either.
1: He is far too good for the Championship. These are far, far better <laughs> than the teams in that league. I think Aire have been fantastic so far. You know, if you'd asked them at the start of this season, I don't think anyone would have said yes. But again, the Championship is such a tight group. I mean, Air United in first and 28 points. Part of Thistle are in seventh and 20 points. So it's so, so tight. But I just think Air United looks very, very impressive. Hamilton, they worked hard, but again, it's just that, that lack of quality. You know, they're sitting bottom of the league, and I don't think they played that badly, but they just can't pick up results. And at home, you've got to pick up results. But here United, just a juggernaut. And if they were to win this league, it would be fantastic. It really good.
0: Yeah. Big wins as well for Morton, Dundee, and Queen's Park. And it's it's tightly bunched. Morton, Dundee, and Queen's Park obviously keep their wins going. Morton, Dundee are three points behind there, and Queen's Park are four. That's three big ones for them. I and mean, obviously, when, you, when you're going one in Friday night, all they'll be wanting is three points, and it just puts the pressure on here.
1: It does. I mean, the games this week were actually decent games, you know. I kind of thought Dundee would beat Wraith, but two goals for that Robinson. And I think Dundee are looking at a good position. Guy Boyd will be quite happy with the way things are going just now. Yeah. You know, Wraith Roberts getting Lewis Vaughan back from injury is huge because he's got so many injury problems. Getting him back is massive. I just think the championship for me is probably the best league in Scotland just now. It's so tight, so compact. Anyone can beat anyone. Mm-hmm. And there's so many teams that deserve to come up from you already. I mean, I think the Queen's Park story has been fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they've done a great job there. I just think it's such a such a good league.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's been one of the best leagues of the, the season so far. And it keeps going, the other three leagues stay stay going throughout the World Cup. So we'll still have we'll have a Scottish football fix and it'll be good to see how these leagues develop over the next few weeks. League 1, let's just run through the results. Airdrie 1, Peterhead 1, Alloa 5, Queen of the South 1, then 2, Clyde 2, Falkirk 2, FC Edinburgh nil, and Kelty 1, Montrose 3. I think the story of the, the day has to probably go to Clyde. They were 2-0 up away to the league leaders, Dunfermline jammed Jim Duffy's obviously new in the job. Den come to it, two penalties from Kyle Benedict has rescued a point for the league leaders, but Clyde, that'll be a massive boost for them. I know Jim Duffy's commanding uh but immediately... Going to East End Park, I know been two now up and not winning the game is frustrating, but it's a big point.
1: That's a huge point. Duffy's got to be delighted with that. You know, Jim Duffy will do a good job there. Plenty of experience. He knows what he's doing. You know, to go away to Dunfermline, which is not easy place to go. And I'm sorry, but it still seems mental that Dunfermline and Falkirk are in League One. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, their Premiership teams in name really, but it just seems mental. So I think it's a great result for Clyde, and they can hopefully build on that now. Mm-hmm. You know, get a few results in the bag, but that's a great result. And you know, Dunfermline will be probably quite happy they managed to get a point out of that, even though they're at home. They'll be glad that they've not got beat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Falkirk, Falkirk obviously close the gap now to five points as the Montrose with big wins. 5-1 five one one over Queen Queen of the South. Again, it's Dunfermline. They're they're still probably favourites to win the league, but Falkirk and Montrose, they're they're putting pressure on them. And again, Aloha, that's a big result against a, a team like Queen of the South
1: hundred percent, a great result for Alloa They're sitting fourth, you know, a very good campaign for them so far, looking quite solid.
0: Mm-hmm. And again,
1: the league one's quite tight as well. You know, yeah. you've got the first on thirty-two points, but FC Inverar are in fifth on twenty-five points. So there's not a lot in it. Yeah. You know, again, there's there's a real there's a real quality in that league, and I think the I think probably will win it. I don't think it'll be by a, a long way. I think they'll probably win it tightly, but I think the have enough about them. You know, Craig Whiting. I think he wasn't great at hearts, but he's done okay at Dunfermline. So mm-hmm. I think they've got enough, but it'll be a, again it's another very, very tight week.
0: Absolutely, yeah. League two, East 5 2, Albion Rovers 3, Elgin 0, Dumbarton 4, 4 for 1, Bonny Rig 1, Stirling 0, in 2, Strun Ra 3, Stenhouse, Muir 2, Dumbarton. Obviously, we spoke about them earlier the season, they were in a real good run of form. And results have went in their favour, obviously, Sterling losing at home to Annan, who have picked up quite a bit in the past few weeks. But Dumbarton going to Elgin, winning 4-0, and they're again five points clear. And they had a wee black, but they bounced back pretty well from it.
1: Yeah, Dumbarton are looking good. Um, I think they're trying to play decent football, which is great for that kind of league. And I think they probably will come up. But again, I think it'll be difficult because it's a difficult league. Sterling have done well. Mm -hmm. For me, they've probably... I wouldn't say the biggest surprise, but I thought Bonnerick started the season so well. Yeah, I've been they, surprised just, at how they've been kind dropped, of uh, yeah. They've just really slipped, you know, since, since second bottom. They just can't win. I think that's a big result for them, getting a draw at 4-4. So, you know, they need to try and build on that. But again, these leagues are great. They're so competitive. But I just think Dumbarton might have more than enough quality to come up.
0: Yeah, and obviously as well, I, I think one of the results of the day is Albion Rovers going to East 5 and 1-3 two, And it takes them above Bonnerick and 4 for. That was a big result. Forfar. obviously, I think Gary Irvin obviously lost his job during the week, but Forfar will be looking to to get out of bottom spot because I don't think Forfar should be in bottom spot. They're a, they're a decent squad. They've just been really, really struggling. But a big result for Albion Rovers.
1: Yeah, 100%. To go away for home anywhere, win 3-2 is a great result. Yeah, It's going to be a massive boost for them. Again, I think Albion are a decent side, but that's a huge three points for them. point for East 5 at home, mm-hmm. but it's a massive result for Albion Rovers and they need to kick on
0: yeah, absolutely. But we're now getting to the point where the we're going to go on a bit of a hiatus for a couple of weeks. The Premiership hasn't as ha- not obviously here, but we will obviously be keeping everyone up to date with the Championship, League One, and League Two. We'll do wee roundups and things like that. But the show will be kind of going off for maybe a week or so just to we get into you kind know, of World Cup fever and things like that. But Scotland do have a game. Scotland will play Turkey in a friendly. The World Cup is on, but Scotland obviously have a game against Turkey. It's a friendly more to just kind of Celtic aren't obviously sending players, which we obviously spoke about during the week, but it's a, it's more a case of with Steve Clark getting some players, some minutes in the international international, and just a it's just a week and a, I think it's just a a game just to see how things go for Steve Clark.
1: I quite like watching Scotland, but I'm struggling to get excited for this. <laughs> for, a, for a friendly way to Turkey. I thought it was a great opportunity for Steve Clark to maybe bring some other players into the squad yeah. just to give him a bit of game time, but he's not done that. He's pres- he's basically pretty much brought the experienced squad. I don't think there's any point in that. Bring a few more youngsters in, you know, bring a like to Lawrence Shanklins and see what he can do. I-, I just think there was no need to bring such a-, a strong squad. Trying a few more players out, see what they can do at this level. It's a friendly, it means nothing. So I'm not I'm not overly excited by it, I'll be honest.
0: It's it's a weird one because, obviously, it's a friendly. I, I think a lot, of teams, a lot of international teams haven't qualified or doing friendlies anyway, so there's no harm in it. But I did think he would maybe bring in about four or five. Like I, I know maybe you'll probably say everybody like, like Sabari Barry Mackay. Can I get him in? It's, do you know what I mean? There's a lot of players there. Like Lewis Ferguson's doing well abroad. It's a chance for these players to kind of get some international minutes in. And it, it will be interesting. I think Turkey are quite a decent side, so it'll be a good test. But we're obviously getting it, We're at the point now where we're we're going to wrap up the show, Graham. It's been an absolute pleasure, to you, on. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it.
1: Cheers, mate. Enjoyed that.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much. So much tuned in. Please follow us on social media for more consistent Scottish football coverage. We'll have a lot of roundups and obviously the West of Scotland show beginning out as well. Road to Cheltenham starts on Thursday. We have obviously a Cheltenham anti-post series will kick off on Thursday and run every week from now up until the festival in March so tune in for that there's going to be a lot coming up over the next few weeks and obviously we're getting into the World Cup we'll have a few World Cup things going out, so please everyone tune in for that thanks very much everyone and we'll see you soon for the next episode of the Scottish Football Show cheers